Hello, and welcome to another episode of There Will Be Film, a film podcast. A film podcast here on 88.9 WQSU. My name is Nick, and I'm here once again with my friend and co-host... Charlie. Charlie. And we are thrilled to be here after a uh, longer-than-we-anticipated hiatus. Well, you know how it gets. Life gets in the way. Life does get in the way. You get distracted by March Madness. Do you? Kind of. A lot, actually. Well, Charlie got distracted by March Madness. I didn't necessarily get distracted by March Madness. However, um, as this is the season of bracket making, as it were, that's a little teaser for (laughs) what we've got coming up later in this episode. Um, You're so, so good at segues. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Segways are fun. Segways are fun. Have you ever ridden on the Segway? No, I like riding on the Segway of conversation. (laughs) I, that's awful. That is one of the worst things I have ever heard. Charlie is cracking himself up now. Well, if you can't make yourself laugh, who are you going to? That's a good question. Um, Let's dive right in, shall we? Okay. We're a minute and a half in, and we've already gone off the rails, so... Does not bode well no. for the next hour or so. Uh, if you hear some jazz playing in the background, um, we are recording this at a um, during the during a uh, vinyl music slot here on uh, WQSU. Some nice cross promotion, I think. Um, Listen to the radio from four to six on Sundays. I am the host of the Sunday Night Concert, a two-hour block of classic rock here on The Pulse. But now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, why don't we dive right in, as we always like to do, with our new and newsworthy section here on the podcast. So last time, when we discussed some news, we were um, talking about some production stills and trailers and things like that. And fortunately, we've got some more trailers to talk about. I think the the thing that we are most excited to discuss, once course, upon a time in Hollywood, is the trail is the teaser trailer for Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, as we discussed before, for those of you who might not know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Tarantino's upcoming film starring Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Brad Pitt. It's set in Hollywood in 1969 and is centered around a aging film star and his stunt double who become involved somehow in the um, Manson family murders of 1969 involving Sharon Tate, who is going to be played by Margot Robbie in the upcoming film. Um... What did you think of the the trailer that was so released excited. earlier this week? I am so excited. There's um, there's one shot in the trailer where Leonardo DiCaprio's character is at like one of those old '60s um, music shows yeah. where they have celebrities come on and dance. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that shot is what like has me most intrigued about really? the film. It looks so colorful, mm-hmm. so much fun. I think something that is really exciting about this movie. I think the color is an interesting point because Tarantino's last movie was The Hateful Eight, which was a bleak, you know, 
um, movie set in a snowstorm in a one room there building. There wasn't colorful. There was, it was not a colorful movie. Um, which I think a lot of people, I think that's one of the reasons that that movie kind of got a bit of a backlash is because it was, um, it was promoted as being you know seventy millimeter spectacular event, and, and it was then, also promoted as a lot more fun than it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I have it, a lot of fun with the Hateful Eight. Well, for the record, the Hateful Eight is one of the most disappointing Tarantino films for me. Um, but I think part of it was that it was like a nonstop. Mm-hmm. fun film was that was promoted right. it was like and don't get me wrong as nick says i love three hour rambling conversation filled movies that is that but, the hateful eight is a three hour rambling conversation movie i can get behind uh it just i wasn't expecting that mm-hmm. but this one definitely feels more fun it's more cer- colorful. it really does it's also being advertised as a comedy which i think is really interesting um oh I just caught myself there saying the word interesting. You got to stop doing I've that. My been... aunt, my aunt Robin, if you're out there, hey Robin, uh, she sent me a very lovely text outlining what she loved about um, the first podcast, and at the very end of it, told me to s- tell Nick to stop saying the word interesting because he uses it too much, and he should get a wider vocabulary. My parents also commented on the fact that I said interesting a lot, so there we are. Um, now that I got sidetracked, uh, we were talking about how it seems to be advertised as a comedy. as a comedy. One of the things which I have read um, in response to this trailer is how little of the actual Manson family and Manson whole business mm-hmm. this trailer seems to be emphasizing. I think we get one, one shot, shot of, Manson. of Manson himself, well, and then there are mm-hmm. some shots of who we are assuming to be the family. Yeah. You, you get the, the, you know, 60s dressed young women look from a group of people. Um, the other thing the trailer did, and I know it's a teaser, but I have no idea what it's about. We, we still don't know what Which it's about. Which I love. Yeah. Like, I love going into a movie without knowing really anything about it. Mm-hmm. And that is part of why I'm so excited because with a lot of Tarantino movies, you go into it and you'd say, this is what's going to happen. Right. And they're still fun. Mm-hmm. But like, I have no idea. I have no, no idea yeah. what, what this movie is going to be. So and I, 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 I can't, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, something else while we're talking about the trailer, yeah. um, I get the impression that we're going to get a lot of, um, movie within movie from oh, yeah. this. Yeah. Because we do get a lot of the like black and white news footage, quote unquote, in the trailer and we get clips of Leonardo DiCaprio doing really cool mm-hmm. things in like a Western style mm-hmm. setting, which I think will be really interesting to see Tarantino. Well, part of the reason I'm so excited about this movie is I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, who doesn't? You'd have to have poor taste not to like Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm a I'm a fan of Leo. Yeah. So, um, sorry if you feel offended, but if you don't like Leo, you have bad taste. And and going <laughs> blunt, right in for blunt, it. Aren't Just, we? <laughs> and um, and my favorite DiCaprio performance is Django. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so good in he's that movie. Terrifying. So I'm really excited to see. And what makes Leo such an incredible actor is the way he explores the characters mm-hmm. and has fun in yeah. the worlds that are being built mm-hmm. by the director and the writer. And to have Leo and Tarantino, who it feels like when they make their movies, just like exploring yeah. and seeing how far they can push the worlds mm-hmm. and just being able to see those two back together. I completely agree. And the other hand is also Brad Pitt, who I don't love as much. Mm-hmm. My favorite Brad Pitt performance is in Glorious Bastards. Right. And so being able to see him in that world again, too, really. And it looks like Brad Pitt is having so much fun again, just Uh, like he did When's the last time we saw Brad Pitt have fun in a movie? The Big Short, maybe? That's that's a good question. Like, he's he's good in The Big Short, but, Mm -hmm. like, he just, it feels like he's just kind of there. Right. He just... It looks like he's there a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's front and center in this trailer, too, yeah. fighting with Bruce Lee. The and... line about manslaughter. Oh, is so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. So. Um, and it's it just the whole vibe of yeah. everything. I can't wait till... Do you think you'll watch another trailer, or do you think you'll just stop after this teaser? I'm going to watch the other trailer, like... I can't help myself. I know. I, I agree. need as much Quentin Tarantino footage in my life. I agree. I'm going to be really upset if they tell me what the entire plot is, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like they're doing that. I don't think I feel so. like we're in a new world of um I feel like the the uh, movie industry is adapting to audiences cuz um for a while there the majority of trailers we were getting mm-hmm. were telling us the entire plot to movie. Right. And I think that, especially with movies that studios know are going to be good, they're really not telling us anything. Us didn't tell us anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Marvel with um, Endgame. Right. I can't tell you what that... Like, I know... The you movie, have an, a general idea. I know what the movie is about, mm-hmm. and it's them trying to reverse the snap. Right. Or somehow stop Thanos again. Right. So, like, I know what that's about, but I can't tell you anything that happens with the film. Mm-hmm. And, like, if this was four or five years ago... I think I even, prob- less, even less yeah, time Maybe than even that. two years ago. Yeah. I could have, for us, um, Endgame, mm-hmm. this, I could have told you what the plot was up until Act 3. Right. So I think studios are adapting to audiences not going to films as much, because mm-hmm. why would you pay to see a film that you already know it's going to happen? Right. I think another thing, while we're on this discussion of yeah. movie trailers, even just a couple of years ago, it was a big ec- epidemic, in, I think, in movie trailers of movies spoiling what they think will be the most exciting part yeah. of the movie in the trailer. Um, well, I don't know if you remember the trailer for The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Can I be completely honest with you, and this is probably going to hurt your feelings, but I was so unexcited for that film, I watched zero trailers and did mm-hmm. not listen to any of the... Well, I mean, it wasn't very good. But, like, so... I could tell from, like, the 30-second TV right. spot, so why would I watch the trailer? Well, the first original trailer, the the entire thing is one stunt. Yeah. They were showing off one one stunt in the trailer, and they thought that they would hook us that way. And that just... That's not how mm. you sell a movie on one the one aspect or if you look at the homecoming spider-man homecoming trailer Mm -hmm. the big moment in the trailer was when tony stark takes 
uh, Spider-Man suit back, mm-hmm. and that is the last scene before the third act starts. Right. So, I mean, I still want to see it because I love Spider-Man and I want to be Spider-Man. So, Marvel, if you're listening, like, I'm your guy. But, I mean... Uh, I mean, like, I, I think they're happy with Tom Holland. I mean, like, sure, but like, if something happened to Tom Holland, I don't like the implication of that statement. <laughs> Let's just move past it then. Okay. Um, that um, they show the most important or the second most important character moment in mm-hmm. the movie in the trailer, right? And I think uh, I think audiences got sick of that, mm-hmm. and I think you can really now in the past six months to a year, you can really see the difference between what movie is going to be good mm-hmm. and what isn't, yeah, because of um, by how they advertise it. Because if they're hooking you by not telling you the plot, you know it's going to be good because two, and it's getting to the point where. If oh, they're telling you the entire story because mm-hmm. they're like, we need to give you as much as possible. No, to prob- entice you, into- you should probably stay away from that film. That's that's an interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's a universal. I, I mean, there's always exceptions to right. the rule, like right. Ma. Ma. When we saw Us last night, um, which we'll get into a review in just yeah. a few minutes. Don't worry. Um, when we saw Us last night, uh, it was uh, seven seven of us went mm-hmm. to see Us, and after the Ma trailer, which is starring Octavia Spencer, yes, uh, we all like leaned forward in our seats and simultaneously at once lo- all locked eyes with mm-hmm. each other, and we're just like. That looks incredible. It it if you're unaware, cause because um, Ma has not gotten that much buzz buzz yet. It's being released at the end of May. It's a Blumhouse horror movie, Love which Blumhouse. has really, really gone up in my esteem within the past couple of years. It's a Blumhouse horror movie starring Octavia Spencer, and it looks like it's about an an older woman who is wants to be in high school. Wants to be in high school and who is sort of uh, terrorizing a group of high school students. And they gave a lot of plot points in the trailer, but not, like, I can not tell enough. you things that happen, right? but I still can't tell you what order things mm-hmm. happen, why they're happening. Mm-hmm. And there were enough out, completely out-of-context images yeah. that the trailer presented me that I am mm-hmm. totally intrigued. Um, since this is, so th- since this isn't a trailer, it's not a spoiler, there's a shot in the trailer of her running down one of the high schoolers with her car. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you could argue that that is showing too much. Right. But I would argue I don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she is doing it. Yep. It just happens. You don't know what happens to that student. And so I think I think a, a better way to describe um, what I'm saying is they can show you a lot of scenes from a movie mm-hmm. as well, but it's egregious when I can tell you the plot and right. why based the context, on the based on the trailer context. by itself. And so if you're a trailer and you're showing us like images from twelve different or scenes from twelve different scenes in the movie, that mm-hmm. is fine. It's just. It's a matter of if you're showing context or not. I, I completely yeah. agree. So, and so the other trailer that we wanted to talk about was uh, we're going over to uh, TV Land to TV Land, which is my favorite land. Of course, and it is not the te- television channel. The television channel is boring, but uh, <laughs> you don't like reruns of shows from the 1970s. Um, you know, you know, when I was 12 and my sister was forcing me to watch I Love Lucy. Sure, because my sister scares me, but I love you. But um, but you see, I I have a very good relationship with TV Land. Growing up, watching the but, Brady Bunch, 
and Green Acres and the but Adams you were family. born a like 15 year old man. 15? Yeah, no, like you were born 15, but you were like a fully fledged adult at By that the, point. That that is also true. It, it is true. It, um Nick showed me a photo of him when he was turning 6, and if I were to put that photo online, which I'm not going to. Thank you. But um you would not be able to tell me who's the 6-year-old and who's the 21-year-old. I've aged well. <laughs> That's that's what you're saying. Yeah, um, you can take it that way, man. So, going to TV land, um, Stranger Things oh season yep. three. Um, I'm excited. I'm very excited for the third season of Stranger Things. That is a bold take, man. I I know that is a bold take. I don't know who would agree with you on that, but way to just go for it. Would really would, just to upset the crowd. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, look, it looks so good. It looks so good. It really good. does. Um, uh, I know that you have you have a problem when people say this, mm-hmm. but I think that you can't argue it with Stranger Things. Nick has complained to me when he is um, when uh, actors and writers on television shows say that they want to make like a 13 hour movie mm-hmm. and his quote, which I still think is very funny, even though I disagree is have any of these people ever seen a movie? Cause they're not the concise stories that um, Nick so dearly loves. Correct. Um, but I think one of the things that makes stranger things so good is that, I think when like they were making Mad Men or mm-hmm. they're making Game of Thrones, like it's very obvious. Okay, don't roll your eyes at Game of Thrones, man. That uh, it's very obvious that they are making a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the scope Stranger Things is made mm-hmm. and the way it is written, besides that one episode in season two that doesn't exist, and we're not going to talk about right. There's no loose threads in the show. Correct. Everything is followed through on. And that's Mm -hmm. the difference between a TV show and a movie Mm -hmm. is that a TV show can throw out plot lines and see if the audience likes them. And then they can be like, no, never mind. That never happened. And Stranger Things doesn't do that. Right. Everything comes together full circle. Mm -hmm. So it truly, and I think that's why I love it so much, is in the scope, it truly feels like you're watching a nine hour movie. Right. I think maybe I'm just making the connection that I think the the Duffer Brothers, the creators of Stranger Things, want me to, in that each episode of Stranger, or not each season of Stranger Things, feels like a adaptation of an epic like Stephen King length novel. Absolutely, that's the way that each season has felt to me. Yeah. Whereas, whereas a lot of other TV shows like that feel bloated and just yeah. long to me. Stranger Things doesn't feel it, that way. It doesn't it, it's, it's a testament it's, it's a testament to the writing yeah. of it's that a, show. It's a very concise 9-hour film. Yes. As as <laughs> as concise as a 9-hour film as could be. As much of an oxymoron as that statement is, yeah. I agree 100%. And so, I think I uh, so the trailer for season three looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I f- what song did they use? Um, Baba O'Reilly. Yeah, Teenage Wasteland. Teenage by the Wasteland. Who. Yeah. The uh, the shot of um, the the new monster. Oh, at the very end. At the very end. Yeah. I wish wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have a problem when you show the monster in the trailer. Right. 
uh, because I want to be surprised. I don't want to know going in what I should be scared of. Right. Um, Do you get the the sense that they're sort of going in a different direction it, with this season? I, Everything I've read seems to imply that, I, and I don't know if you got that also from watching the trailer. I think not tonally. Okay. I think tone-wise, it still play. It, the trailer played in the tongue-in-cheek nature mm-hmm. that the first two seasons. I always find that the first half of each season is a little tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. and then they slowly get, get a little more, more serious. serious. Um, and I still got that feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's where the second season left off. That um, that uh, they think they finally destroyed the monsters. Mm-hmm. The plant, um, the, the the testing facility yeah. is shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eleven is and um, Hopper have now seem to come to an understanding of their lives. Right, it ended while they were at uh, a middle school dance. Mm-hmm. Where they are in their lives is very different than where they were in their lives in season one. Right. Because there was a lot of uneasiness, especially with Will, mm-hmm. who um, spit up the slug in right. the very last right. scene of oh, the yes. first season. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think that since season two left us on such a strong conclusion mm-hmm. before they showed the shadow the, that monster. Very, that very final shot. In the upside down. Yeah. That it would be weird if it didn't feel like they were going in a new direction. I, I agree. Because it, the show could have ended if they At hadn't. season two. If they hadn't shown us the shadow right. monster. I think something that struck me and I'm very excited to see mm. where they go with it in the new season based off of the line in the trailer is something along the lines of you know did you think that we would just be playing games in your basement yeah for, I think it's Mike saying it, it up to will or something yeah. like that that's a good point too these these kids are growing yeah, up when we met them they were a bunch of nerds mm-hmm. who were playing Dungeons and Dragons in the basement yeah uh, uh, 11 and Mike or who's mm-hmm. Finn Wolfhard's character Mike yeah. Mike they're into each other. Um, Sadie Sink and um, who's that kid? I can't remember his I name. I can't remember their names. Besides the one that's not Dustin. Um, uh, I forget his yeah, name. I forget his yeah. name too. But I'm sure you're screaming the name at us you're right mad now. At me, if, you're, if you're mad at us, tweet at oh us God. S- um, in your anger so you, we can know and get more followers. Um, Subtle. Uh, I'm not above begging. Um, they're dating mm-hmm. Dustin and um, what's his name? I can't remember. I haven't seen this show in over oh, a Dustin year. Dustin and, and um, uh, the the guy, the cool the, guy, Steve, Steve, Steve Harrington, Steve Harrington. How could um, I forget that? Um, if you want to know what Nick looks like, picture Steve Harrington, but slightly less attractive. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Um, that was real mean. I love you. Um, no, so they. Um, so, <laughs> so they, um, their friends. So they're they're all growing up, and Will was kind of left in the dust mm-hmm. by his life, by the group, by yeah. his life experience. Mm-hmm. And but since these kids are going into high school, yeah. no longer middle schoolers. I mean, at the rate of change, we couldn't. They couldn't make the same show because yeah. it would be weird to see freshmen in high school right. doing the same thing seventh gra- graders yeah. did. I'm, I'm I'm excited for that 
that aspect yeah. of it. I, I don't like it, though, because when I see them older, mm-hmm. I feel like an adult. And I don't like watching right. children grow up on mm-hmm. TV. I like I, I didn't mind it when I was their age and I was growing up with them. And I was right. like, hey, that's someone like me. But now I'm an adult yep. watching it happen. And I'm like, and you I'm, feel old. And I'm old. And I, I need it to stop. Please. But I think um, I'm interested to see where they go with that whole the kids are growing up aspect. Yeah. Because, and I never, ever thought I would say this about something like Stranger Things. Mm. But it is the relationships of the kids that I enjoy so much more yeah. than them fighting monsters yeah. when it comes to this show. Yeah. And I never thought I would ever, ever say that. And I just want to put it on the record here. I'm on team Steve. All right. I don't need, uh, I don't need Charlie Heaton's character. What's his name? Oh, the, the older brother, the older brother, whatever his name is. Tweeted at me, so I know. Um, we haven't seen Stranger Things. In I haven't while. watched it since season two premiered, and it's been over a it's year. It's been over a year. But I'm I'm on Team Steve. Charlie Charlie Heaton just kind of snuck in there, yeah, and and, and, st- and stole her away. Um, I, I, I Steve deserves some happiness. He may have been kind of mean at first, but he's fun and has cool hair. Can we take one second to acknowledge that uh, Carrie Elwes? Is going Yules? to be Yules? Is it's it Elvis Carrie, or Yules? It's, it's Yules. It's Carrie. Yules. I've heard both. Well, Carrie Yules. I, I might also be wrong, but so um, why we'll don't you go? go with, why don't you go with Carrie Elvis? I'll go with Carrie Yules. And so then, if one of us is right, only one of us will why be wrong. Why don't we look it up? That's too easy. The guy from The Princess Bride. I like the guy from um, Psych. The guy from Robin Hood Men in Tights. But that's too many words. Let's just say Carrie Yules. I'm going to go with Carrie Yules. Um, we got one shot of him in the trailer. I didn't know that he was going to be in it. You had not read that he I was the not, mayor? I had not read it. I am. I love Carrie Yules. I do too. He's going to... Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be It's going to be good. Can we raise... Um, what's his name? Oh, God. Uh, the Bob... Bob. Uh, uh, why not? We're not a writer's uh, boyfriend. Oh, can we raise yes. him from the dead? Like, I don't need that. Yeah. I did not need that in my life, and it was very. <laughs> that was upsetting. traumatic. That was traumatic. That was probably the most traumatic moment of my life. Don't quote me on wow. that. Wow. <laughs> don't quote me on that. <laughs> um. Well, any any other new news things that you want to cover? Any new things in the world of film or television that you're excited about while you have game a of thrones that's gonna be so good we don't need to discuss that. it's gonna be so good he doesn't like game of thrones because he has bad taste okay so and no he doesn't have bad taste i take that back in all honesty nick thinks that not liking things because everyone likes them is a personality trait and i'd I, like to inform him it's not a personality trait i don't like that this episode is turning into a roast of me can i can i you don't like what your life is turning into can i take a second and yeah. get on my soapbox because no. I, I, I had a soapbox last time um Yes, I, I promise I will not be long because okay. I feel like I feel like this is a topic of of discussion. As the kind of um, consumer of media that I am, I am beginning to quite honestly feel a little bit lost in the the way that things are now made today. Oh, because you like movies that are old. Well, no, I mean. I find that just the the state of 
film today Mm -hmm. is such that it is harder and harder to find original, well-made stories that have interesting characters, Mm -hmm. interesting storylines that engage and warrant, um, you know, repeated viewing and repeated uh, discussion. And when, when those movies do come along... I think that's part of the reason why I get so excited about them well, and 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 want to continue to talk about them and dissect them mm-hmm. and bring them up again because that that form of storytelling mm-hmm. now has moved to television where you're getting the the complex stories with interesting characters and uh writers for tv are taking those stories and they're dragging them out over the course of nine ten episodes and for someone like me who who has a hard time committing to things like that i i begin to feel a little you know like like there is not a place for me to go to to get a to satisfy the need for uh, visual, you know, storytelling that I'm looking for. And I guess that's why I, you know, enjoy old movies as mm-hmm. much as I do. No, I get that. I think that the – I think we – when we were born mm-hmm. um, to now, the entertainment landscape – It's completely has, different. It's completely, completely, completely different. I mean, that's why I love television so much mm-hmm. is for these – Stories and I, I think as as Nick likes to say, he likes two-hour concise movies where things actually happen, mm-hmm. and I like three-hour random rambling movies where nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's accurate, and I think that's why I gravitate towards television. My, I mean, my favorite TV show is Mad Men. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing happens in that show. It's not the most exciting show it's ever. So good, I will admit. It's so. It might have the greatest intro sequence of any television show of all time, but yeah, yeah. But I think that is a good segue. I to, think it. it I think to, definitely is a good. segue. I think segue. we should ride that conversational segue into talking about us. I'm serious. Have you ever ridden a segue before? I, you know, I really want to. Kids at my high school, uh-huh. my my uh, Vermont Academy had segways, which was weird because like every building was like ten feet from each other. <laughs> so there was no reason. There to was ride a no. Segway. There was no reason to ride a Segway. It was just people who were like, "Oh, we're rich," and so <laughs> And so I tried to get a Segway, and my dad was like, "No," and so I tried to get a Segway for college. You don't want to be that person. I mean, I feel like I already am that person just without the Segway. So moving on, um, let's. We need to on talk about. He deny it. We need to talk about us. Us, the you and me or the movie, the movie. Oh, okay. That conversation can wait for later. Stop. <laughs> us, which is the new Jordan Peele directed horror movie. Before we get into the movie itself, yes, I'd like to share some thoughts about Jordan Peele that I shared with oh, you earlier please do. today. If you were our age in the 70s mm-hmm. and early 80s, mm-hmm. you watched this unknown person 
named Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. slowly and and through each movie grow into one of the most famous and successful directors of his time mm-hmm. in the probably in, of all time of all time in the 90s mm-hmm. you had the same experience with Quentin Tarantino more or less yeah i believe that we are having that experience with Jordan Peele mm-hmm. i used to think it was Damien Chazelle who directed Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man. Yeah, which I love all three of those movies. Great movies. But the difference between, and I think Damien Chazelle is going to get nominated for a bunch more Oscars. Mm -hmm. I believe he's going to be a very successful filmmaker. But the difference between Damien Chazelle and um, Jordan Peele, Mm -hmm. which I think why I'm putting Jordan Peele with already such big names as Spielberg and Tarantino, Mm -hmm. is that... I, I, I love Lupita Nyong'o. I thought Winston Duke was fabulous in Black Panther. It's mm-hmm. probably my favorite part of Black Panther mm-hmm. and Infinity War. They're not movie stars. Right. I didn't go see the movie for Lupita Nyong'o mm-hmm. and Winston Duke. I went to see the movie because it was a Jordan because Peele it was movie. a Jordan Peele film. Mm-hmm. And to be able and look, I love Key and Peele. It's one of my favorite TV shows. Mm-hmm. But to be able to say that for your second film mm-hmm. that has become the largest box office opening for any original horror film and the third largest of all time for any original film. Mm-hmm. And people are going because of your name. Because of the director's name. Is something special. And I think by the time that we are our parents' age, mm-hmm. Jordan Peele will be our Steven Spielberg. That's a bold statement. Yeah. I'm, That's a very bold statement. I, I just, I mean, what other director at this moment in time um, because Damien Chazelle, I love Damien Chazelle. Mm-hmm. No one's going to. Well, I think, I think no one's going at a. I think for people like us, we're going to go see Damien Chazelle right. films as a broad public. No one. I think that's the point that you have to yeah. that you have to remember is Damien Chazelle. As much as I'd love to see him do it, Damien Chazelle's not making horror movies. No. And Damien Chazelle isn't making movies for the mass audience. Right. And that's also what's different between him and Tarantino and Spielberg. Well, Spielberg, it, Spielberg, Spielberg transitioned into it. Don't get me well, wrong. Well, no, Spielberg always was, and I mean, we can save some of this discussion yeah. for our director yeah. bracket. But Spielberg, Spielberg came on the scene with Jaws. Yeah, and that was an immediate blockbuster. Yeah. So he's always been. Yeah. Um, blockbuster. Blockbuster. And he tra- movie. He tra- he's done. He's done his indie yeah. movies. And he's and he, over time. Once he got enough street cred, mm-hmm. I, I hate that I just said that. I'm That's sorry. Awful. Take it back. Once he got enough like cred in Hollywood, mm-hmm. he moved right into um, some more Schindler List type film. Mm-hmm. But at that point, people were still going to see them. Like right. when I saw Lincoln, mm-hmm. a movie, a three hour film about Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like two open seats when right, I got there. Right. And so people are going to see Spielberg films. Mm-hmm. I think Chazelle, Chazelle wants to make movies mm-hmm. that are... But no one no one went to see First Man necessarily because it was a Damien Chazelle yeah, it, movie. They I went, went to, to see, see it because it, it was a Chazelle film. They but. went to see it because it was the story of Neil Armstrong yeah. starring Ryan Gosling. Yeah. yeah. I love Ryan Gosling. Um, so, but, but all of that is to say... I'll speak for both of us. I would appreciate it if you didn't. Us was phenomenal. Yeah, he wrapped it. He, that was correct. It was um, absolutely incredible. So we had a long discussion last night when we got back from the film if we're going to talk spoilers or not. But I think we both feel comfortable that we can talk enough about the film without going into plot. Without going into too specific. I've, I will tell you, about an hour and ten minutes into the film, I was sitting next to my friend Anthony. I looked at him. 
tears streaming down my face, saying, I need this to stop, because I was that terrified. It's, it's a, Us is one of the most visceral movie experiences that I have had in a long time. Nick gives me a hard time because whenever we watch a horror movie together, I'm like, ah, that wasn't scary. I was uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't scared. This is the first movie I can say that I've seen in a long time mm-hmm. that, like, at certain points, I needed to get up and leave. Right. Because I, but like, I couldn't because it was so good. I and to be clear, when I said I need this to stop, I didn't want you it didn't to stop. want it to stop. But like, I was, I, I, I was not having like there. I was just not having a good time, man. There, there were moments when I genuinely just like I could not move. Yeah. In my seat, I was just plastered to the chair, no. just watching unable to take my eyes from the screen i was yeah. in all of the movie in certain yeah. points i think i think a testament to how good the film is mm-hmm. is that i'm very analytical when i watch films you and i both know this correct you're one and i know it's annoying but you're one who gets caught up in movies mm-hmm. and um and really gets lost in the story i don't really do that right i'm sitting there like i i i'm, I'm a st- we we touched on yeah. this last episode yeah. actually uh, that you're yeah. oh yeah i'm a you're student. thinking about how they do it yeah. that sort of thing i'm a student i didn't do any of that mm-hmm. i honestly like there's a few moments i did it right but i was so engrossed just watching just watching mm-hmm. like i can't remember thinking back on that, i can think about times where i'm like oh that was brilliant mm-hmm. Or like that'll be on one perfect shot one day. Oh, I definitely thought yeah, that. Like of the uh, the girl in the mirror room. Mm-hmm. But oh, I thought of the um, Ophelia. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, there are some certain moments, but I was just I was like terrified. I think that's part of the reason why I don't get scared during movies either. Mm-hmm. But I was not, I just I did not have a good time. I had a nightmare last night. <laughs> <laughs> a nightmare of us in Game of Thrones. It was weird. That's an odd combination. Yeah. Um, I think part of the reason that the movie worked so well for me, because um, we both had similar reactions to one of the film's strongest set pieces. Yeah. Which is a home invasion. Yeah. And which is in the trailer. Which is in the trailer. It's that scene. It's the scene in the trailer um, that comes up about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, where the the lookalike doppelgangers break into the family's home. Yeah. That was about thirty minutes into the movie. So the best way to describe maybe a little bit more than a little that, more but... than the movie is that like Get Out is a slow burn because mm-hmm. as I was saying, I'm going to spoil Get Out because we, it's been two years. Come on, um, <laughs> but uh, about it's about forty five minutes before the hypnosis scene. Mm-hmm. Then it's another twenty minutes before they start bidding on him, mm-hmm. and so in that time, we're just like, "This is weird. Mm-hmm. Something, this is a horror film, right?" So we know something bad is going to happen, mm-hmm. but we're just waiting. We're just waiting. It was about. 30, 35 minutes into the movie mm-hmm. where Jordan Peele was, like, writing a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and then, then he, just went for he, it. He, in the in the words of um, Spinal Tap, turned it up to 11. He turned it, no, he turned that up to 12. He turned it up to 12? He turned it up to 12. Um, just a little louder. Great impression. Um, <laughs> anyway, the the home invasion bit, as I, as I talked about, a little bit last night is as a kid i had a overwhelming fear 
of my house being broken into. I'm, I'm really glad that even as like a child, you're having the fears of an adult. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> it, it shows. Um, it works. And there, there, there was a, a long period of time, or at least it feels long, where I could not be the last person to go to sleep no, at I, night because I would need someone to be up to make sure, you know. I get that. My dad doesn't lock the door at night. Oh. Well, we, we live in a... You don't need to explain that. Well... We... Anyone who might be listening to this podcast for nefarious purposes now knows that you leave your door unlocked. They don't know where I live. I live somewhere in America. Um, no, we live like on like a offshoot road. You've been mm, there. Yeah. And so it's even like a dead end that's like the turn is really easy to miss. Mm-hmm. So, and our neighbors are nice. I think they wish I would stop barking at their dogs. That's weird. Yeah. Um, no, but like, and so, but I'm, I'm like, dad, this is the point that like we live in such a secluded area mm-hmm. that if someone was going to murder us, it would be here. And then he's like, the crime rate's low. No, it's not going to happen. So what I do is I lock the door after he goes to bed. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, But to, to gloss over that odd little <laughs> tangent, um... I think part of the reason that us was particularly unnerving for me in those moments no. is because it was like I was eight years old again, having a nightmare that I couldn't mm-hmm. wake up from. Yeah, and that was that you know section of the movie was probably the tensest I yeah. was, and there were there were times for sure. I mean, even when Throughout. I was even when I was tense. I was just appreciating it yeah. so much. I think what what made the movie work on su- on like such a level is basically like the plot of the movie. I read the IMDb mm-hmm. plot before we came in here mm-hmm. just to make sure I wouldn't be giving too much away. Right. Is that this family of four is taking a vacation and then four doppelgangers show up of each of them and start terrorizing them. Mm-hmm. And so basically you have all these horror movie set pieces and horror movie tropes Mm -hmm. of the home invasion of people getting murdered like Mm -hmm. Halloween style that um, are usually like usually just a person going around murdering people. Mm -hmm. It's it's one person you know with a knife or something. Is that he took these tropes that we're so used to Mm -hmm. but went on such a different track with who was doing it. Exactly. Which made it so much more terrifying. I do agree. And it's also what Jordan Peele said. It's like, imagine, it's uh, one of the things he said, the movie's about being your worst enemy. And imagine just feeling safe Mm -hmm. in your own home and the person who starts terrorizing you and abusing you. Is the person, is is, is you. It's like you're looking yourself in the mirror. Yeah. And I think that's part of why it's so, so... Oh, uh, it's so terrifying. It's so well done. I was not I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was so good I did not have a good time. I <laughs> like like we got back and some of my friends were like, We have to go see that again. I'm like, Nope. I need some time. I need some I time. Need some distance. I need to get over my nightmares. No, I I just I don't get scared during movies. Mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah. I I can usually keep myself at such an emotional distance from stories. Mm-hmm. They don't affect me that much. Right. But there's something about him, man. Mm-hmm. There's something really special about Jordan Peele. I think writing and direction aside, I think we also need to take a minute to acknowledge performances because across the board they one were – Can I just say one oh, more yeah, thing about Jordan Peele? What makes Jordan Peele such an amazing filmmaker isn't just his writing, which is phenomenal, mm-hmm. isn't 
just his characters, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. It's the way he uses lighting and the mm-hmm. way he uses color. Yeah. If you go into this film for the first time after hearing this, mm-hmm. look for the way he uses the color red mm-hmm. and the way he uses shades of the color blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very colorful movie. It, it is so colorful. Mm-hmm. And just, just really watch for how he uses the colors mm-hmm. because they tell their own story. They do. Yeah. And I know that sounds so pretentious. It does. But trust me, I am. Um, <laughs> so now we can go on to performances. Well, no, well now that you're oh. talking about the oh. cinematography of the movie. It's so good. Um, something that I always love in a horror movie and us is now lumped into this like sort of mm-hmm. subgenre of horror. Um, I love when horror movies are set during the daytime. Yes. Because you think the sun is up, mm-hmm. everything is fine. There's that one scene. There's nothing to be scared of there's in that, the daylight. There's that scene from the trailer. Yeah. With the fire. Yep. That is but there's, so much more terrifying because of the light. There's so much haunting imagery in this movie yeah. that takes place in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. And that is just somehow even more unnerving mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The cinematography was beautiful. Whoever the cinematographer was, you gotta give major props to that Definitely, man. Definitely, yeah. Because, or woman. Yeah. Watch your biases. Um, whoever, whoever, whoever the cinematographer, whoever the cinematographer is, was, did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. job. There's the color lighting. Um, there's there's gonna be I think some iconic shots. Oh, for sure. Okay, now performances. Performances. Um, Lupita Nyong'o steals the show. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know yeah. what else you would expect from Lupita Nyong'o because mm-hmm. she's always she was phenomenal. phenomenal. But her, I mean. You'll know what I mean once you've finished the once movie. Once you've seen it, yeah. But thinking back on her performance... It's so nuanced. Are, it's so nuanced. Mm-hmm. And it is so brilliant. All I, I, If it sounds like we're dancing around... We're dancing around... Things, a, it's because we are. We, we are dancing, dancing around a lot. But if, if we haven't made the point clear yet, it's that you should go see us. Go see it. And then tweet at us your thoughts. And while we're on the Twitter again, we are, one second, getting it up. Um, we are at film underscore there. Let us know. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, go see, go see us. Yeah, that's, um, that's the bottom line of Winston this. Winston Duke. Winston, he's so good. He is so funny. He's so good. The best review, I think it was Chris Stuckman who said it. Shout out to Chris Stuckman. Um, but I'm not sure who said it was. Mm-hmm. What made Winston Duke's performance so incredible was he had to be terrified, mm-hmm. yet hilarious yeah. the entire and film. And he, he balances it so well. Yeah, and the humor works so well, too. Mm-hmm. As Chris Stuckman said, that um, a lot of horror movies, you step out of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but the humor all played so well. It did. There's a great joke about Home Alone. It, the humor feels very natural. Yeah. And I think that does come from Jordan Peele's comedy history background. of writing comedy and yeah. performing comedy. It doesn't feel forced yeah. in any way, and that's always a problem when you try to put jokes, I think, in, in a, a horror, horror movie. 
And then lastly, the kids. They were so good. I mean, I think um, so for the doppelgangers, everyone played their own doppelganger, mm-hmm. which is already, I think, um, because the doppelgangers are so physical. Mm-hmm. In what, um, especially the kid who played Jason mm-hmm. and uh, and Pluto. Yeah. The way that um, Pluto operates physically, mm-hmm. the way he scampers around, the way he crawls on the floor. However old that kid is, you got to give major props to him. For sure. Jordan Peele did not. He, he asked a lot of Lupitiniaga with Sanduk, mm-hmm. and he did not ask anything less for the children. Yeah. And they were phenomenal. They were so good. The movie would not have worked. If Without they, them. If, if they could not have been on uh, Winston and Lupita's level. Yeah. And they more than owned, more uh, just carried their own. Um, I think also uh, a shout out to Elizabeth Moss. Okay, like Elizabeth for, Moss is phenomenal in for everything. For what was essentially an extended cameo. Yeah. But was really good. Yeah, just, I mean, anything, if, if you've ever seen Elizabeth, let me, let me phrase this. If you, um, Show me an if you can show me Elizabeth Moss performance that is bad, I will show you a liar. Wow, have you seen Handmaid's Tale? Yes, I have not. It is so good. I need to. She is so good. Yeah, she's good in everything. She's in Mad Men. Mm-hmm. She's in the one I love, which I suggested last time. Oh, is she in that? Yeah, she plays the wife. When she turned up as the president's daughter in the West Wing, yep, I could not have been more surprised. Yeah. And, of course, she had the most horrifying line in the movie. What is that? Without spoiling too Vodka much. Vodka O'Clock. Oh, yes, of course. It was the moment I felt worse about being a white person, because you know I would say that. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So. Um, also, while we're talking about just other various aspects yeah. that we loved, the musical score oh. for this film Michael is, Abel's. It's his second score. What else has he done? Get out. I thought it sounded similar. It's just okay. get out and um us. Really? Mm-hmm. There's a very similar vibe between the two musical scores. It is one of my favorite scores I have ever heard. It's so good. His his uh cover of I Got Five on it, mm-hmm. which that plays is used at the very end of the movie, mm-hmm. is, is one haunting. Is the most haunting pieces of music I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. So it's called um. Pass de do, do. It's in it's yep, French. You, you didn't pronounce that correctly. I don't. I, I I took two years of ancient Greek in high school. Why? I and don't it reads. know. I don't know because I wanted to sound cool when I got to college and it didn't work. So, <laughs> but uh, I did it, and so I can't pronounce French. Cool. But bottom line is the the musical score is yeah. phenomenal. It adds a whole nother layer. To the movie now before we move on to the end uh to our last segment yes what's better i i said i was gonna ask you this yeah and last but night I, you, you told, and now you're he, asking he, he me he told me he was gonna ask me so i spent the entire day collecting my thoughts and i just surprised you yes you did put you on the spot um good question yeah let me. Can I walk you through my thought process? Just, just what? What's better? I'm gonna walk you through my thought okay. process. The, the main complaint about us that I have seen from people is that the 
social commentary aspect of the film is not as prominent. It's there. I it's, like it. It's there for sure. Yeah, we. I mean, I've uh, a quick twenty-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. When we came back, we unpacked it pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, it's there, and I've seen lots of links to articles on Twitter that I want to read. Yeah. diving into the commentary of this mm-hmm. movie, but. The fact that it's not blatantly making a statement like Get Out was, I think, disappointed some reviewers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I always love when horror movies make some kind of mm-hmm. comment, whether it's a movie like Get Out or Night of the original Night of the Living Dead, which makes a comment, or um, a whole host of other movies. I always love social commentary in my horror movies. And Get Out, I think, is possibly one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Yeah. Not only for its social commentary, but for how bold it is in mixing genres Mm -hmm. and just telling such a unique, original story. Um, All that being said, as a horror movie... Us is the superior product. I agree. I think Us is better. Mm -hmm. And and so we were having this conversation a little bit earlier. And a lot of people don't like Us Mm -hmm. because it's not Get Out. Yeah. That is why I love Us. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I own Get Out. I've seen Get Out seven or eight times. Mm -hmm. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. I mean, anything with Bradley Whitford... So good. I'm there for. Mm-hmm. He is so good. Um, Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya uh, is haunting. Mm-hmm. Is incredible. Allison Williams. She's she's terrifying. Is so good. She's terrifying. Um, but I think when you make when your first movie wins you an Oscar mm-hmm. and puts you firmly as what's next, mm-hmm. a what's next type of person, like how you're going to follow that up, right? And you can you have two options. You can do what's worked for you, mm-hmm. or you can take the bolder option and do something completely different. And he does something. I like. He does something I'm, completely yeah, different. I'm the part. I I don't get people who are like. He may get out. Mm-hmm. I want to watch. I want to see him do it again. And, and if he may get out again, know what? People it would, would probably be complaining, right? And it wouldn't be good. I mean, it would probably be great if he did get oh. out again, but... It wouldn't be... A, I don't think it could be as good. And no. I think a lot of people would be upset by that fact. But the and fact that they want it again, mm-hmm. it's it's an, it's an a systemic problem yeah. among film criticism, mm-hmm. if I can be so bold to say that, yeah. is that when a director makes such a bold first or second recognizable effort, that audiences just want that again. Mm-hmm. To use, um, to use Quentin Tarantino as an example, yeah. uh, as a historical example, Reservoir Dogs was his first movie, but it was an indie, you know, cult hit. Pulp Fiction was such a success that after he won an Oscar for it, people just wanted Pulp Fiction again. And then he went and did something completely different with a movie like Jackie Brown yeah. and it upset people because he did not give them Pulp Fiction again. And it's and it's been a problem since 
you know, who knows yeah. who knows when. And so, and I think I liked, I love the message behind Get Out, mm-hmm. but it's very on the nose, and it and it's very much it tells me mm-hmm. what I need to know. Mm-hmm. And what I love about us is that it can be interpreted, interpreted so many different so ways. many different ways. My interpretation. Mm-hmm. I have not read one review that had the same interpretation as me right. from the meaning. I think it's a lot – I think the movie – without getting spoilers, I think it's a movie about a lot of systemic issues mm-hmm. in terms of class mm-hmm. in race in our country. Yeah. And I haven't seen any reviews today. That have brought that, that up. That brought up the systemic issues of race and class in our country. Mm-hmm. But um, it's there. It's there. It's there. And so it's really what you take from it. So, now let's move on to our main event. Yes. Yes. Drum roll. So, as I thank you for banging the table. Drum roll. Like a child. Okay. You know, I don't know when this podcast turned into a roast of Charlie. It's been a roast of me for the past hour. So, put on your big boy pants and let's get to the main event. So, as I mentioned almost an hour ago. Yeah. Um... It is bracket season. Yeah, March in, Madness. Nick the, wanted to do a March Madness bracket because, as he said, he has better things to do with his life. I made this bracket instead. So. We made this bracket. Okay. Um, so uh, a week or so ago, I came across a bracket on Twitter. Twitter. Um, By uh, who Birth Movies Death. Birth Movies Death. Shout out to them. For giving us Are this they idea. A podcast? They're a website. Okay. I I'm love, gonna say if they're a podcast, I'd say don't listen to them, listen to us. But. I no, I love their reviews. Okay. Birth movies death is great. Um they had an original bracket. I think it was partially made as a joke, as here are the here are the directors that you are most likely to find debated ad nauseum yeah. on Twitter. And here they are up against each other in a March Madness style bracket. Yeah. And so I sent this this tweet to Charlie and, and I, I, I got it at 11:30 at night mm-hmm. as I'm falling asleep and I said this bracket would end our friendship and I said good and let's s- do it on our podcast and so we took their bracket and we made significant alterations to it yeah because there are directors on there like David Lynch I love every David Lynch film I've seen I haven't seen enough David Lynch there was to um, make a proper yeah. To make a proper judgment call. And so uh, we swapped some names out. Uh, Edgar Wright wasn't on the first one, and it's like, come on. We need Edgar Wright We need on Edgar there. Wright on here, even though we're both upset about it. So we've got 16 teams. Uh, or 16, 16 directors. directors. It says team at the top of the paper. Well, it, it, it's uh, online. I, I did my best. Um, so we have 16 directors, and once this episode airs, we will uh, – Charlie and I will both – Post our completed at our Twitter account on, on Twitter at film underscore there. And if you disagree with us, go on and yell at us. But uh, we'll also post a poll. Poll. And you can Wait, vote. Wait, I'm doing a poll? Yes. <sighs> and you can vote on who, so who, had the, who had the better bracket. Yeah. So let's give you a quick rundown. Well, I think we should just go first matchup by matchup and then. Instead of just listing all of them, we probably should talk about this beforehand. Probably. 
Well, we can go. We can go round by round. I think we should fine. just go round by round. Okay. So our first matchup is the most upsetting matchup. I was not prepared for this. I, I, this is like this is a matchup that, um, and we to be clear, we did separate back brackets where we both knew the answer. I think, mm-hmm. but, we, but we didn't like that we, we both didn't knew the answer. Like having to see the answer on paper because I love Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright hasn't made a bad movie in my opinion. Well, we also tried as best as we could to put directors of a vaguely similar style yeah. together. So I think the original bracket had Paul Thomas Anderson up against Steven Spielberg. And that doesn't make sense. Which And they're making two completely different kinds yeah. of movies. And so we, we readjusted things a little bit to, to not only make our lives a little bit more difficult – but Which we to, love doing. to more evenly match directors against each other. Yeah, and so we have arguably the two, well, I don't know, the, arguably the two quirkiest directors right I mean, up against we got each Wes other. Anderson on there. Well, true. But we have Quentin Tarantino against Edgar Wright. And I mean, like, I, I love Edgar Wright, guys. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I do too. He hasn't made a bad movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean,. Um, Sean, uh, Sean of the Dead. Sean of the Dead, is like Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, the Sean whole. of the Dead is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I can say the same for um, Hot Fuzz. I, I I don't love Hot Fuzz as a, much as a lot of people, but it's still really funny. Um, The World's End, very funny. Uh, I know you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm-hmm. Is great, and I mean, but Baby, Baby Driver. Driver, Baby Driver, so much fun. Baby Driver, I mean, like, is everything I would would want a movie to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way they used music. And just the action in that movie. But I had to so, go with Tarantino. So did I. I had to go with Tarantino. Yeah. I mean, the the make I could not go with the maker. How could I say no to the guy who made my second favorite movie of all time? I agree. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Pulp Fiction. The, incorrect. <laughs> um, he's um, watching Pulp Fiction tonight, and he's very excited about it. I am excited. It. So it's it's going to be a fun time. He's been talking about it all day, and I'm like, man, you've seen this movie before. I don't it's know been a why while. you're so excited. I'm about going it. to do my best not to quote along with it. Yeah, because she's that, not going to like that because that disappoints people. Yeah, well, that's why I've had to stop watching Glorious. I watched Inglorious Bastards with my grandfather over the summer. Oh no! And I paused it every five minutes to tell him fun facts about production. And he's like, "Maybe I'm not liking this movie as much, Charlie, because I'm not being able to get into it." I'm like, <laughs> "But fun facts." <laughs> so, um, no, I had to go with Tarantino over right. Yeah, it, I mean, that was a, it. Was a tough decision. It wasn't a tough decision, and it was upsetting how not tough it was mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, so next up, we have Martin Scorsese against... Scorsese or Scorsese? I say Scorsese. I, I go back and forth. I think if I'm just talking about him, I go Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I go, but then when I'm just like Martin Scorsese, it depends how fast I'm talking. This this episode is just full of us not really knowing how to say people's last names. Or what their names are. <laughs> We're not setting a good example of podcasting excellence preparation um to be fair i was watching basketball all day and writing a play fair i meant to prepare but then i finished it i finished the play instead i had to run a rehearsal so your excuse is better than mine yep so we have martin scorsese (laughs) against ridley scott which is an odd pairing. Yeah. Because why would we choose that? I don't know. Ridley Scott. I would choose that one. Ridley Scott is probably 
one of the most diverse filmmakers and on this list. And how bad some of his movies are and how good they are. Well, also just in what he covers, because Ridley Scott has Come done... On, that was a good line. That was... Give me credit for that line. Sure, that was it was funny. But, I mean, Ridley Scott has made both Alien... And Gladiator. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to say all the money in the world, and I was going to get very upset. Well, I feel like... It's not a good movie. It's a great movie. Ugh. But, I mean, those two Gladiator movies... Gladiator is so good, man. Those movies exist on polar opposite ends of the spectrum, and he's Gladiator's, done them both. Gladiator is so good. However, yeah. diversity is not... Or diversity in subject matter is not a mark of excellence no. for a director in my mind. Nope. And so I easily went with Martin Scorsese. I love Ridley Scott. Love Gladiator. Um, love The Martian. Oh, yeah. Like, he's made some great films. But, I mean, I mean, if you are if you have Scott versus, versus Scorsese or Scorsese um, and you don't go Scorsese. You can't argue. You can't argue with, with that. Goodfellas, Casino. The Departed. The Wolf of Wall Street. The, the Aviator. What? The Wolf of Wall Street. No, no, no. The Wolf. <laughs> you say f- things funny, too. Okay, sure, bud. Um, you you can't argue no. with, with uh, Martin Scorsese. Uh, the man's output has been one of the strongest, I think, of yeah, any director go ever. Him. And I don't know if we have talked about it yet on this podcast, but I am so excited for The Irishman. Yes. yes. So excited. Yes. I can't wait. Yes. I just, I can't wait. Yes. Martin Scorsese, if you're listening to this podcast by any chance. Do you want to cast us in your next movie? That's not what I was saying. I had okay. a slightly. Was that, was that asking too much of him? Yes, I think it was. No. Nah, okay. I had a slightly um, less um, demanding request. I don't feel like I was demanding. I felt like I begged. Martin Scorsese, if you're still in the editing process for The Irishman, um, I know you're a big fan of the Rolling Stones. In particular, the song Gimme Shelter. It's in Goodfellas and The Departed and Casino. I think if you put Gimme Shelter in The Irishman, it might be the greatest movie of all time. So, food for thought. I feel like that was more demanding than me just begging him to cast me in a film. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> He can say no to mine. It just he can say no to mine too. Okay, <laughs> I think this. I think before I start getting upset, we move on to the next category. Um, I feel like I'm going to be upset by how you respond or how you answer this. I don't like Hitchcock. We have Alfred Hitchcock. Psycho is boring. The Birds is boring. Hitchcock is boring. We have Alfred Hitchcock against Wes Anderson. No, who's not boring. I'm, I'm. I'm. Psycho is good. Like I guess I. Vertigo was like nah. you. You. South, you didn't watch all of Vertigo. I, I know. I played chess because that's more exciting than Vertigo, and I, then I left. I completely disagree. Um, is it North by Northwest? North by Northwest. That's not good. It's such a good it's movie. It's not a good movie. It's such a good I movie. I fell asleep. We are not being productive in this argument. <laughs> it's Wes Anderson. It's Alfred Hitchcock. It's Wes Anderson. We have our first division okay, here. Okay, okay, okay. The Grand Budapest Hotel is one of the funniest movies ever made. It's a great movie. I don't the know if I can call Ray it. The line where Ray finds uh, is like, 
um, where the guy goes into the the guard pit and stabs all of them, and then Ray, and then dies at the very end. And Ray Fiennes goes, "I guess we'll call it a draw." Is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. I really enjoy the Grand Budapest Hotel. Royal Tenenbaums. I've never seen it. But I mean, of Moonrise Kingdom, all of all of the Wes Anderson movies that I have seen, mm-hmm. uh, Grand Budapest Hotel and Fantastic Mr. Fox yeah, are the movie. only ones that I have really enjoyed. Whereas with every Hitchcock just movie, stab me in the heart, man. With every Hitchcock movie, just about every Hitchcock movie I have seen, I I I can't get enough of it and want to revisit it again and again and again. Moving on to... This one... Was the hardest for me. This one was hard for me, but I came to an answer more quickly than I thought I would. This one was hard. I had to go... I mean... Well, we have... I think, like... We have uh, David Fincher, director of Seven, Gone Girl, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, against Christopher Nolan, director of The Prestige, The Dark Knight Trilogy, um, Dunkirk. So, like, this was my thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I love both of them. Putting them with each other was probably a bad choice because they both could have gone. I, I like them, both of them, more than I like one of the directors who's in my final four. Interesting. Um, but you, you got to make choices, man. Mm-hmm. You got to make hard choices. That's you what do. being an adult is. That is true. Is picking directors in a bracket for a podcast. Yep, that's adult. That's adult life. <laughs> and I mean. I really I love Dunkirk is a brilliant film, um, Dark Knight trilogy mm-hmm. I love, but I can't not go with the director of my favorite movie in the first round. Oh, I forgot the Social Network. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's David. Fin- so you went with David Fincher. Right? I had I had to. I mean, first like he directed my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. I gotta go with him. That makes I mean, sense. Christopher Nolan doesn't have any movies in my top ten. Mm-hmm. Like I love Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, he hasn't made one movie that I've disliked. Mm-hmm. Same with that's not true. Fincher has one movie that I just hate: the um, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Button. But I had to. <laughs> I had, had to go. With I him. had to go with. Fin- I love Nolan. Christopher Nolan, if you're listening, I love you, man, but I had to go with the director of my favorite movie. I have to I had to disagree again. I went with Christopher Nolan. Okay. Because I think David Fincher is so good and so recognizable at his visual style yeah. of storytelling that you know when you're watching a David Fincher movie mm-hmm. and you can't stop watching it. Yeah. It's just that engaging. And I love Fincher movies. Social Network, Zodiac, Seven, all of them yeah. are, are so good. Seven is so good. But when it comes to storytelling, Christopher Nolan is... I hate to sound like that film guy, but he's one of the most innovative yeah, film I mean, storytellers that I've ever seen. The Prestige. The, pre- the Prestige, um, Dunkirk. Dunkirk is... Dunkirk is so good, barely any dialogue, mm-hmm. but and it's so tense. One so of the cool things about Dunkirk, sorry tangent, is the the way the score operates mm-hmm. is it uses three levels of the same music mm-hmm. to make it feel like it's always rising. Oh, that's that's cool. 
that's, so that's cool. why the music always sounds like it's rising. That's even cool. Though, even yeah. though it's just looping. Yeah. Um, I know you haven't seen it yet, and we have to correct that, but Memento, yeah. a movie that is told backwards, it's... I cannot... I cannot argue with a a, a storyteller I mean, like if, that. If this bracket was set up differently, it could have been Fincher versus Nolan for me. Right. It was just the way the bracket got set up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I chose Fincher over Nolan. Mm-hmm. I didn't like choosing Fincher over Nolan. I, I understand that. Now, do we want to continue on no, the side or the go ne- into the other side? Yeah. Okay. Danny Boyle versus Paul Thomas Anderson. I feel like this was an easy one for you. It was an easy one for me. I had to go with PTA. He made two of my top ten favorite movies of all time. I also went with PTA. I love Danny Boyle. Yeah. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is an great. amazing movie. I don't love Slumdog Millionaire. It's not bad. It's not phenomenal. Yeah. I still need to see... Um, 20... 127 hours? No, um, 28 days later. Oh, yeah. Um, He directed 127 hours, Yes, he did. That's another great movie starring James Franco, but when's the last time you saw James Franco make a good movie? Coming for you, James Franco. But, (laughs) moving moving on, I can't argue with the director of There Will Be Blood, Magnolia, Yeah. And my favorite, Boogie Nights. Yeah, that's, that's not great. Um, so that was that was an easy one for me. Ron Howard versus Steven Spielberg. I love Ron Howard. Don't get me wrong. Ron Howard's Ron Howard's good. He's made a diverse set of films. Mm-hmm. Um, a Beautiful Mind is incredible. Mm-hmm. Frost Nixon. Frost Nixon is good. Is a top ten favorite film of mine. Um, um, but I mean Steven Spielberg. It's it's obviously Steven if you Spielberg. say Ron Howard over Steven Spielberg. No, I have issues. I, I while we were talking about Ron Howard, I want to draw attention to his Beatles documentary, um, Eight Days a Week, mm-hmm. which chronicles the Beatles throughout their uh, touring years. Is what is one of the greatest documentaries mm-hmm. I've ever seen. While we're talking about Ron Howard, I'd like to rank his best th- top four favorite Ron Howard films. Mm-hmm. Frost Nixon, mm-hmm. Beautiful Mind, mm-hmm. Flubber. Did he direct Flubber? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I just I just wanted to do the, the bit. Flubber. Rush. I haven't seen Rush. It's good. But Flubber's right there in the middle. How long have you been planning that bit? I just came up I'm, with it. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> the point stands, however, that Ron Howard against Steven Spielberg. Spielberg comes out on top. That's like easily. Duke versus the worst team in NCAA. No, no. Like the 100th best team in the NCAA this year. It's like, it has a chance, but does it? Sure. Um, Sports. Next up, we have Stanley Kubrick yeah. against the Coen Brothers. Okay, this is easy. Kubrick, I hate the Coen Brothers. We know. Coen Brothers haven't made a good film. I mean, I guess I guess The Big Lebowski was okay. No Country for Old Men is one of the worst films ever made. Fargo, terrible. Stanley Kubrick. Um... Charlie is 
biased. We should acknowledge that. Biased against bad film? Biased against the movie that beat There Will Be Blood for Best Picture. It's... But... Not that I'm not a big Coen Brothers fan either. Mm-hmm. I I think I'm more open to their quirkiness. It's than, weird. I normally like quirky. Um, you would think I would love the Coen Brothers. You you I've knowing it's, you as uh, as a film connoisseur, I know, would think that you would love the it Coen Brothers. Weird that I don't like the Coen Brothers. It is because they make quirky films mm-hmm. that are all about character and dialogue, yeah. which is what I love. Mm-hmm. It's inherently weird that I don't like them, mm-hmm. but I can't stand them. I think I, I think my problem, my big problem with them, is I think they I think they think they're a lot smarter than they are, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're that smart. Interesting. Oh, there I said it again. Um. <laughs> we'll go back and cut that. We won't. Uh, um. But I also went with Kubrick okay. over the Coen Brothers. Um, 2001, Clockwork Orange. I haven't seen that yet. Love a Clockwork Orange. Um, Eyes Wide Shut. The Shining. The Shining. The All. Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, I still need to see Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, it's a wild time. I just need to carve out three hours of my life and get yeah. ready for Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Yep. Because Relationship drama. You, you can't. I mean, if you're gonna go into a Tom Cruise Nicole Kidman movie, you gotta get yourself mentally prepared. It starts out as a relationship drama and becomes a thriller that you are not anticipating it I, to be. No, I'm excited. It's a I, good. I it's it's it. a good movie. I want to see it. Did it go like way over schedule? Yes. It, yeah. I think for a while it had the Guinness World Record of having the longest film production. Yeah. Of all and then, time, and then the Lord of the Rings films came around because it took them over a year yeah. to actually film everything. Part part of what they did, I don't know if you knew this, they recreated New York City in London yeah. because they would not because Stanley Kubrick would not actually film on location in New York City. So they built city blocks yeah. of New York in London. He's an odd dude, guys. He's also not a great person. But you know what he did? What did he do? He made great movies. That is. And so that makes up for it. No, no, you don't want to be on the record saying that. No, don't quote me on that, guys. Be be good people and make good films. Yes. But if you're not, be Stanley Kubrick. I don't endorse that statement. Okay, cool. Uh, last but not least, we have... Denis Villeneuve versus Alejandro G. Inarritu. Cool. <laughs> this one was surprisingly difficult yeah. for me. You'll be surprised. Because I'm honestly not, like, a diehard fan of either of these directors. Mm-hmm. But... I, I think you'll be surprised with who I went with. Really? Who do you think I went with? I think you went with Inuritu. You do? Yeah. Yeah, you should be surprised. You went with Villeneuve? Yeah. I, really? I love Birdman. Birdman is one of my is my third favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. I have a giant Birdman poster in my room that mm-hmm. I paid like thirty bucks for. Yes, I love it. Mm-hmm. It's a great. It's a, it's a great poster. It's a great, it's a great. Well, I was talking about the movie, but yes, it's a great poster as well. I don't like any other Inurito films. Mm-hmm. I like one movie by him. Yeah, and that's not enough. Denny Villeneuve has a, an extensive yeah filmography. Sicario's great. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. I mean, he tells these epics. Mm-hmm. Arrival is another yeah. one of my favorite movies that he stretches out and he stretches out, mm-hmm. but they never feel too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, Blade Runner 2049 is 2 hours and 45 minutes. And it's it an didn't epic, feel like it. And it just flew by. Who do you think I picked? 
I think you picked Villeneuve. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I think for we almost for the same reason. Yeah. I mean, on the st- on I the hate strength, the Revenant. The Revenant's one of my least favorite movies of all time. It's it's a it's a slog. Yeah. It really is. It's like beautifully shot, mm-hmm. but it's not. Great. And it's interesting. I you know you can almost make that that comparison that yeah. a movie like Blade Runner twenty forty nine and The Revenant they're two completely different movies. Obviously, but just just in the looks and are, feel, both are epic, beautifully filmed movies about survival. About survival. And one of them is far, far more engaging than the other yeah. one. And I used to get into an argument with an old friend of mine. Um, I think you know his name. That um, I, when I said The Revenant wasn't good, and he said, there's exciting scenes in it. And I said, yeah, but the whole movie should be exciting. And he said, no, only the exciting scenes should be exciting. I was like, well, that makes no sense. That does not make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... So, so we only picked one, or we picked two differently. Two differently, yep. I had Anderson, you had... Uh, Hitchcock. Uh, and Hitch- you had Fincher, and I had Nolan. Okay. So let's just go from Villeneuve versus Kubrick. I picked Kubrick. Who do you think I picked? Villeneuve. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Why not? Because I have good taste? Because you're you. Oh. So this, we, we said the same thing there. But for me... I picked Denny Villeneuve on the strength of Blade Runner 2049 almost Mm -hmm. alone. And that one movie cannot compare to a whole body of work. So for me, what I did for a lot of the directors Mm -hmm. is I thought about my three favorite films Mm -hmm. by each one. Mm -hmm. And I matched them up. Mm -hmm. And I said, what are their uh, their best work, their greatest work? Mm Mm-hmm. How do they match up? Mm-hmm. And depending on who I thought had better of my three favorite films by them had better, I picked them. Mm-hmm. And I just the top three. I just I love Sicario, Twenty Forty Nine, and Arrival mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And I love uh, I love A Clockwork Orange. Um, I love The Shining, mm-hmm. but they just don't compare in my eyes. Um, just on the pure mastery Mm -hmm. um and so i get that uh kubrick's body of work is perhaps a little better Mm -hmm. and a little more consistent just from the best of the best i had to go Villeneuve. understandable yeah uh spielberg in pta you're gonna get mad at me i am gonna get mad at you i might die tonight don't say that (laughs) uh you picked pta didn't you no you picked Spielberg. No, I picked PTA. <laughs> I was real excited for a second. Yeah, I had to pick PTA. I'm not surprised. Look, look, look. There will be blood. There might be blood. Okay. Charlie uh, accidentally called one of his favorite movies of all time by the wrong title once, and I will not let him live it down. Thank you. I, I, I love, I love, I love that. <laughs> If if you could tell by how many times I just said love, um, no, I, there will be blood, mm-hmm. is my uh, fourth favorite movie of all time. I mean, there, and Magnolia is my tenth. I mean, both movies are so good, yeah. but I think I think this this matchup ultimately Defines encapsulates us. who we are as yeah. moviegoers. 
is I get so much more excited about what Spielberg can do with popcorn entertainment than what Paul Thomas Anderson can do with his tautly written Mm -hmm. complex characterizations. Well, it's it's funny. We we um we um we're in the theater department at our school Mm -hmm. and we had to go see a uh show by a student playwright Mm -hmm. uh last night called Caius and Quid. And in the play, it's a satire. It was really good. Uh, there are two characters who are narrators. Mm-hmm. And there's one narrator who's like, things have to happen. People have to die. Mm-hmm. Like, there has to be revolutions. And there's another narrator. So um, narrator one's on stage. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. And then narrator two comes out. And she was like, I make art. I follow love. Mm-hmm. And follow I'm the about, common person. I'm about the human experience. I'm about the human experience. And I turned to Nick and I'm like, I'm attacked. I am. I feel very attacked right now. This, I mean, there were portions where those narrators were going back and forth that could have been our conversations verbatim. Yeah. No, I mean, it was a, it was a much more pretentious version because mm-hmm. usually at that point we're just yelling at each other. Correct. And not really saying anything because yes. we're, we're so caught up in it. As as if this podcast was not an indicator of that. Yeah. So, but I think it's, I think it works. I think, I think it works because we, we find, we, Nick and I find a happy medium at right where, um, where characterization stops and plot stops. Mm-hmm. And if they meet at the same place. If they meet in that perfect I mean, sweet that, spot. Because that's where, like, when we line up on films, because there's a lot of films we both love. Mm-hmm. And it's when they meet, like, us. Yeah. Get out. Um, it's where they meet in the middle. What's another movie we recently saw? Um, I can't think of it. What was it about? I don't remember. I just remember it was uh, <laughs> Overlord. Go see Overlord, guys. It was so good. <laughs> A B zombie movie with rich characters. No. <laughs> um, so I had Wes Anderson versus David Fincher. That's a matchup. That's a wild matchup. David Fincher. I would take Fincher in that in that because scenario. I love Wes Anderson, but his movies get a little boring for me. <laughs> Um, all those movies I was just saying about 10 minutes ago, how much you love, them. how much I love them. Um, when they start, when I have to start comparing them to Fincher, I remember how much I don't like them as much <laughs> like uh, grand Budapest hotel. Is still one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I love moonrise kingdom, but then it's just like Royal Tenenbaums. I'm like, Oh, but that was a little boring. The life it? aquatic the with... life aquatic was like, Oh, that's a little, okay. Maybe I don't like Wes Anderson as much as I thought I did. <laughs> That's incredible. So, so David Fincher. Uh, so I had Alfred Hitchcock and Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, Can I guess? Yeah. Hitchcock. Yes. As much as I was just praising the innovative storytelling yeah. of Christopher Nolan, I can't argue with just the the visual mastery of Hitchcock. I love and how we both just argued something mm-hmm. in order to fend our picks over the other person. Only, and then just only the, for only, them to go away. Only just immediately back out on them. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, and I hate using that expression, but ultimately... Then you should stop using it so much. I don't say it that much. Ultimately, film is a visual medium. Yeah. And so, when... Wait, it's a visual medium? Wow, tell me more. Ultimately, film is a visual medium, 
And when a director is so precise in what they're showing yep. through the camera, like Hitchcock is, yeah, who or like Paul Thomas Anderson, who meticulously storyboards every single shot mm-hmm. of the movie, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. argue with that. Okay, Tarantino versus Scorsese. This was tough. Okay, uh, take a guess. Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Who'd you take? Tarantino. Okay. I wasn't. I was not happy about no. it. I love Scorsese. I do too. Wolf of Wall Street. Goodfellas. Yeah. Okay. Goodfellas is, I think, the greatest gangster movie of all time. I don't love Goodfellas, but Casino's really good. Casino is really yeah. good. The Wolf but, of Wall Street is really good. I think what I what I love about Tarantino mm-hmm. is it meets yeah right there mm-hmm. between characterization and plot. That's what makes. Honestly, in Glorious Bastards, mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah, is because you got all these fun, crazy characters. Mm-hmm. Like that's what makes the bar scene mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah, is is rife with plot and character development. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's brilliant. Tarantino, you have to go to Tarantino. So, You're my a- final four mm-hmm. now is because I I agree with everything yeah. you said about Tarantino. My final four now is Quentin Tarantino against Alfred Hitchcock and Stanley Kubrick against Steven Spielberg. I think it's interesting. We only had one director the same. Really? Tarantino. So I think who, I think that speaks to yeah, our movie taste for sure. Now, what's your final four to remind everyone? Tarantino, mm-hmm. David Fincher, uh huh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Denny Villeneuve. Interesting. And Villeneuve is the one director that. I have that I like Nolan better than. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'd rather have Nolan in there, but it's the right. the bracket set up. Right. So my first matchup is t- Quentin Tarantino versus David Fincher. Take a guess. He directed your favorite movie, David Fincher. Yeah. Ooh. I- what? Intr- ooh. Yeah, I had to go. I love Quentin Tarantino, guys. There was a time when I was 15 years old where I would have died for Quentin Tarantino, and I thought he was a god walking amongst us mere mortals. Uh-huh. But now I'm 22 years old, and I'm like, he's a little weird. It kind of makes me uncomfy. And um, and I think Quentin Tarantino is one of the most revolutionary directors of our time. And I don't think that me saying David Fincher is better than Quentin Tarantino speaks to any, like, bad things about him. Mm -hmm. The difference in my mind is uh, here I went back to quality of work Mm because I couldn't just match up their top three films. And if you look at quality of work, there's only one bad David Fincher film, and it's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I can't stand that movie. It is, it is, nothing happens. I, I, I'll even say that. Nothing I happens. I kind of like it. It's his weakest film, but I kind of like it. And it shows. But with, with Quentin Tarantino, um, Hateful Eight was disappointing. I disagree. Well, you can have your opinions. Okay, you can too. Okay, uh, hateful eight was kind. I'm of, glad I can have my opinions. You're welcome. I bestow that upon you. Um, Quentin, uh, hateful eight was kind of disappointing. Pulp Fiction. I know this is going to make you mad. I think Pulp Fiction's overrated, and um, and uh, uh, um, Kill Bill. I can't get through it. 
Kill Bill's my least favorite. I can't, Tarantino. I can't get through Kill Bill, but with David Fincher, um, I oh, know Death Proof is my least favorite with, Tarantino. With um, Fincher, uh, uh, besides Benjamin Button, I think his next weekest film is Zodiac. In calling Zodiac, oh. well, let me finish my thought. In calling Zodiac a weak film, is just a testament to how strong his other for, uh, other films are. Mm-hmm. So it's not anything against Zodiac. Right. It's just to make a point. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go with Fincher. Mm-hmm. And then I had Denis Villeneuve. Oh, oh I'll, let me give you my... Oh, okay. Um, so I had Tarantino against Hitchcock, mm-hmm. which is both sides of my film yeah. buff fighting Hitchcock, against each guess, other. I guess. And it was Hitchcock. Oh, yeah, and I think, I think so my... Annoying. I think my... My argument is that I think my argument is that Tarantino borrows in the best sense of the word yeah. from other movies whereas Hitchcock was the innovator. Well, I think there's a difference though. I mean, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. Mhm. But I think Tarantino is both an innovator and a for he's sure, an innovator yes. and a borrower. And I think the way he innovates is taking things he likes and putting them together, and putting them together, or flipping them on their head. And I completely agree. And I don't think I think being an innovator is great, but I also don't think that taking and flipping is inherently is is, is bad. Right? No, it, I don't it's either. Just innovation is just different. Mm-hmm. No, so. but I I had I had to go with Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? You you can have your opinion. And so now, Denny Villeneuve against PTA. Is that right for yeah. you? Yeah. Take a guess. PTA. Yeah. Um, as I said, I mean, I I would have had Nolan in this spot mm-hmm. if I could have. Um, I love twenty forty nine. Love. Um, Love uh, Arrival. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most beautiful movies ever made. You need to watch it. I do. Um, the The ending of Arrival is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, Sicario is great, but Paul Thomas Anderson has made two of my top ten favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. Magnolia. I, I it's a rough watch, but Magnolia it's so is a well rough done. watch. But I mean, like it flew by for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be blood. Is l- layer the thematic layering in that film mm-hmm. of the battle versus um, two morally corrupt men? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, you, if you're going to tell me that the priest isn't morally corrupt, you're not watching the movie correctly. Mm-hmm. And a battle, of, it's 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 like a um, battle of wits mm-hmm. between a priest and an oil man. Yeah, and I. It, it's incredible. You also have a poster for There Will Be, there will be Blood. I have a room. very pretentious poster of There you, Will Be Blood. It's a great poster. It's a great poster. It's a picture of a, um oil rig. Oil derrick. An oil derrick, and the uh, levy is controlled by a cross. It's such a cool poster. Yeah. I should mention, now that I've you know booted Tarantino out of my, my ranking, I have a Pulp Fiction poster. Yeah, he's that guy. In my room. Yeah. But and at my in my room at home... I have a poster for Alfred Hitchcock's rope. Yeah, over uh, across from my bed. What happened to your Inglorious so. Bastards poster? I like that from last year. I still have it. I just didn't have enough wall space. I mean, you have plenty I, of wall space. You just I swapped it out for a 
a poster of Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express. That was your first mistake. I disagree. Liking that movie. I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> we'll get into that in another podcast. Yes. Well, oh, can we do an hour and a half on Kenneth Branagh? sometime soon no i haven't seen enough kenneth Branagh to talk about him for 20 minutes we can uh, we uh can you, change can, you that. can talk about kenneth Branagh, and i can sit here and make fun of you for 90 minutes it sounds worth it okay um so it was pta yeah. for you for me i have kubrick against spielberg mm-hmm. and spielberg. it's spielberg yeah that was easy i can't Kubrick is one of those, you know, greats of filmmaking, but Spielberg has directed my favorite movie, which is Jaws. He's directed just so many diverse different kind, you know, that's the meaning of diverse. He's directed so many diverse types of films. Mm-hmm. I can't argue with such an extensive and all-encompassing mm-hmm. body of work. So Hitchcock versus Spielberg, who is it? Well, when going into this bracket, uh, is I, it Hitchcock? I knew exactly that it was going to be these two against yeah. each other. They are my favorite directors, yeah. and it has to be Hitchcock. Oh my god! Because you sicken me. Because let me let me put it to you. You sicken me, sir. Let me put it to you this way. Steven Spielberg, I can say what my favorite Spielberg movie yeah. is, and I can tell you easily that it's Jaws. They're just a wacky shark. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point. Sorry, you you talk. It only it and- only took us an hour and a half to devolve into madness it happened a lot faster than i thought you talk you talk to the audience and i'm just gonna laugh in the corner um steven spielberg i can say what my favorite spielberg movie is and it's jaws followed you know close closely by a handful of other movies i can't tell you what my favorite Hitchcock movie is because it changes depending on the day. And that's just how how highly I hold his entire body of work. Yeah. And I think that is why I had to pick yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. Minus uh, Fincher versus Paul Thomas Anderson. Take a guess. Paul Thomas Anderson. That's interesting. I went with Fincher. Really? Yeah. So, one thing I wow. think is interesting is that both of our winners were knocked out by each other in the first round, mm-hmm. where you knocked out Fincher and I knocked out Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Why'd you pick Fincher over PTA? Body of Work. Okay. So, I took their top three films, mm-hmm. matched them up, couldn't love love them. Um, that's, that's incredible. Even though Fincher... So... I have two films in my top ten by PTA. Mm-hmm. Fincher has a couple films just out. Mm-hmm. Just out. It has my number one, as mm-hmm. I've said, Social Network, um, Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, why am I Gone bl- Girl. Gone Girl. Um, uh, why am I blinking on Girl with names? the Dragon Tattoo. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Keep just listening to All Fincher the name. best episodes seven. of Mindhunter. Mindhunter. Seven. Yeah. And so um, I... 
I don't love PTA's body of work overall mm-hmm. as much. I love. I think the his two greatest films are two of the greatest films of all time, mm-hmm. and I will fight to the death over them. Mm-hmm. But of overall quality of work, you can't compare it in my mind right now to Fincher. Understandable. I think he's been one of the most consistent directors. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really want to see him make another movie. He's going to, eventually. I know eventually he will, but, yeah. like, he's been... But Mindhunter, I need Mindhunter been, season two. I do, too. But, like, he's been sidetracked by Mindhunter recently, and he hasn't yeah. made a movie since yeah. Gone Girl, and that was five years ago yeah. now. And I'm so, ready for another David Fincher movie. Me, too. Um, and so, I love... David Fincher, if you're listening, we're, we're ready. We're ready for you to be back on the big screen. I'm ready to to murder someone for you, Fincher. In a don't, movie. Don't in a say movie, that. In a movie. Don't say that. In a movie? You want to be in the David Fincher movie? Yeah, murder. You want to be in the David Fincher movie? Stop. Yeah. You good? Yep. Okay. Um, so this, this bracket went about as well as I thought it would. Yep. I'm not seething with resentment at all. Me either. Um, he says seething with resentment. Yep. So we we like to to sort of wrap things up a little bit with a, a movie recommendation from the each of us. Okay. Um, and so I figured that it would be pretty cool if our recommendation this time around came from the director who won our bracket. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of weird to make a recommendation about people whose movies are so mainstream, but mm-hmm. we'll get there. It's fair. Yeah. So, what is your recommendation? I don't know yet. You go. You don't have. You don't know which I'm, I'm, I'm David Fincher movie you want to recommend. A couple right now. Okay. Um, I'll recommend a okay. a lesser known Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, it's generally accepted amongst Hitchcock fans that post, um, the birds that Hitchcock's career sort of went downhill a little bit so interestingly i'm going to pick a movie from that period of time Mm -hmm. because i think it's an overlooked gem of his filmography and it's a movie called torn curtain i believe it's from 1966 if i had to guess at the year and it stars paul newman and julie andrews paul newman plays a um physicist who is at during the height of the cold war who supposedly um defects to a communist nation and julie andrews plays his um, girlfriend who goes who goes along with him and gets involved in this scheme and it turns out that the paul newman is actually a spy working for an anti-communist agency who has to go behind the Iron Curtain and infiltrate another group of spies to get a secret formula for, you know, weapons and whatnot because Cold War. Um, yeah, just tell us the whole plot, man. I, I know. That's 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 all generally well-known oh, okay. stuff. Um, that's all within the first, you know, mm-hmm. the first act of the movie. Oh, okay. Um and what I think is so well done about Torn Curtain is it is it's Hitchcock at the end of his career doing what he did at the beginning of his career mm-hmm. and is a film about a couple on the run from a shadowy organization having to 
use every ounce of wit and every person at their disposal to stay alive. Mm -hmm. And it's full of so many interesting, innovative, suspenseful sequences. There is one that is um, set on a city bus that is is so well done and so edge-of-your-seat worthy um, that I, I always find myself thinking back on it when I think of the great moments of mm-hmm. Hitchcock's filmography. So that is Torn Curtain. So I would like to rem- recommend one of... I would like to recommend uh, one of Fincher's uh, not as appreciated projects, which is the girl with the dragon tattoo, though it will leave you a little unsatisfied at the end as it sets up sequels that never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, I will remain from going into the plot because if I tell you even something from the first 15 minutes, mm-hmm. it... I like to describe the plot okay. of the girl with the dragon tattoo very, very broadly. Yeah. As, Can you do it for me? Cause I won't be able to do it. Yes. Well, no, just very broad without even saying yeah. anything. It's what if an episode of law and order SVU was combined with an Agatha Christie mystery. Yes, that is a perfect way to describe it. Um, Daniel Craig is fabulous in it. It is going to be one of the hardest movies you'll ever have to watch. It is. There are some brutal scenes in it, Mm -hmm. uh, but trust me, it is worth it because... Rooney Rooney Mara is is the main... um, Elizabeth Stolander. She's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend you watch that or just watch The Social Network, which is my favorite movie of all time. And if you say it's bad, I'll be upset. I won't disagree with you there. It's it's a it's a great movie. You know, we were at the party the other night at um, our friend's birthday. Our friend had a birthday over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like 10 people complaining about how bad The Social Network was for like 10 minutes. And it was one of the most upsetting 10 minutes of my life. I didn't complain about it. I would like the record to show that I did not complain about this. I know, not work. you, but like... Because I love that movie. Uh, uh, all of... all Everyone else in that room. Basically, everyone else in that film, um, in that room, did not like it. And it hurt. I'm I'm sorry. And people need to stop complaining about the social network because it's two hours of people just talking. That's what movies are. There are two hours of people talking. Sometimes exciting things happen. <laughs> okay. Um, on that somewhat petulant note, <laughs> I think that... You're going to call it a day? I think we should call it a day. It's been another another time Remember here. when we meant to like keep this under an hour? We've gone longer than last time. Yeah. Surprising no one. Sorry, we like the sound of our voices a little bit too much. It's okay. I've listened to podcasts that have pushed four hours. So we're we're fine. Um I need to go reconsider my friendship. <laughs> uh Charlie, why don't you tell listeners where they can find us one more time on Hey Twitter. guys. So if you disagree with us and think we have bad opinions, cool. Uh, we will be posting our um, our brackets. I'm on. getting there. Oh, I'm doing a bit. And so, if you want to yell at us about how bad our brackets are and how we made incredibly um, bad choices and how Nick's bracket was better than mine because he picked classically better directors than I did, go ahead. 
We are at at film underscore there on Twitter. You will be able to find our brackets and a poll um, to vote who did better. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like me, go on there and tell me. As long as we get followers and engagements, it's fine. Are you okay? I mean, I'll be the one seeing it. You don't have the Twitter account on your phone. You're a very, you're a very 21st century kind of person. I, no, I just know that who um, just who just wants the social media likes and things. No, I just know that I feel like if people are listening to this podcast, they're gonna be more like you. And that I know that my film opinions aren't necessarily popular in the zeitgeist. Ooh, that's a good word. It is a good that's word. a good two dollar. We need word. to start using that more. Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Let's make that our mission for the next episode. Did that you, we just talk, talk about the film culture zeitgeist for. We just slip in zeitgeist a, a couple times. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, on that tangent, uh, I have homework I need to do, and by homework I mean play video games. I'm watching Pulp Fiction, so I want to do that before it gets too late. Yeah. Um, so thank you again. Should we just talk about, instead of talking about movies next time, just talk about our schedule? <laughs> as exciting as that sounds. Um, I hi, don't... I'm Nick Cardillo and I have to send emails. <laughs> hi, I'm Charlie and I have to play video games. <laughs> I don't think people want to know when I vacuum my rug and when you restock your fridge full of water. I, there was three, it was three packages for $9. My parents will appreciate that. <laughs> Um, so thank you for tuning in to another episode of There Will Be Film. Um, with the, the current state of things, it might be the last episode of <laughs> There Will Be Film. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can come down from all of this resentment that we're feeling towards each other, yeah. um, in time for another episode in hopefully a couple weeks. Um, this has been a pleasure to be here with you again, Charlie. Uh, yeah, my name, I'm... Fine. I'm Nick. I'm Charlie. And this has been There, there Will Be Film. Look at that. We didn't even plan it.